Well, church, we're in week five of our preaching series uh, that has been looking at a series that's been focusing on the word bless, but looking at how we love our neighbours, how we love our neighbours as ourselves in, in real practical ways. So how about we just, I'm going to do this for myself as much as anybody, just pause to pray and just ask God's spirit to be upon, upon me as I bring the message today. A gracious, loving God, we, we just pause and we let all of the things that are happening around us fall away so that you may come and speak to us again. So Lord, today I ask that your Holy Spirit be upon me, that I may bring your message. Message for the people who are here and for message for the people who listen online. We just pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So as we've been going through our, our, our series, we've been looking at um, the four, we've looked at four different ways that we have been able to practically um, show love to our neighbour. And they've been, they've, they've been begin with prayer, listen to your neighbour, have a meal with them, eat with them. Um, and last week we had a look at um, serve, how we serve our neighbour. Um, and this week I'm going to explore the final one and how we love our neighbour, which is um, which is story. So we are going to, and my remote control is misbehaving, like all things at this moment. Um, we're going to be focusing on story. In order to do this, I want to actually explore with you a very famous passage, a very famous verse, but I want to explore the the verses around it. I want to explore the passage there. I want to explore how, how in the Gospel of John, there's this story of a religious leader, a Pharisee called Nicodemus, who, who comes to Jesus with some questions. But he doesn't just come up to Jesus and go, oh, hey, Jesus, I've got some questions for you. He comes in the middle of the night and to seek Jesus. Now, now, the Pharisees were religious leaders who prided themselves on, on knowing the laws of God and following the laws of God and, and ensuring other people follow the laws of God as well. And so we have this religious leader, Nicodemus, who comes late at night because there's been something that has been happening with Jesus that has drawn Nicodemus to want to know more want to kind of connect with Jesus and, and seek some answers from him. So we're going to go first into the first four verses. So John chapter 3, verses 1, 3 to 4. And we're going to put it on the screen for you. So it'll be up on the screen as the next slide. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. You can see, so Nicodemus there, he, is, he has significant importance. He's on that ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi. So he's already ascribing to Jesus this, this notion that he's a teacher. He's a teacher of, of, of religious things, of things about God. And he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. 
And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then Nicodemus says this, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, I want you to notice something significant here. There's there's actually a significant point here, and I didn't bring it out just in that reading. I I skipped over that significant point. But I I want you to notice this. What does Nicodemus do? He actually recognises, he acknowledges Jesus is from God. Notice that? He acknowledges that Jesus is from God. Let's let's share, you know. um, We know that a teacher, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. So he's recognising that Jesus comes from God. And that Jesus is only doing the miracles because he has come from God. Now, hold this up as, as, as different to what the other religious leaders, and we know through, through reading the Gospels, we know what happens. Is they often accuse Jesus as being a glutton, a drunkard, or somebody that just doesn't follow the rules like they follow the rules. Matter of fact, his disciples are breaking the rules and Jesus is breaking the rules. And so we've got Nicodemus who acknowledges that Jesus is somebody who's coming from God and he wants to know some more. And how does Jesus respond with this? What does Jesus do? So instead of Jesus going, you know, and you know when... when, um, People come to Jesus and they say, oh, you're the Messiah, you're the chosen one, or, you know, um, God, you can heal me. And we we'll often see what happens is Jesus will just immediately go, your faith has made you well, or, or say, you know, you, you are correct. Jesus actually doesn't do that with Nicodemus. Instead, he challenges Nicodemus. He changes it and he goes, actually, no, I'm not, I'm not just going to accept that, you, that you've stated that I'm from God and the teaching's there, but, you know, I, I want to challenge you on something. And Nicodemus is challenged. And even though he's challenged, Jesus does it in a way that requires a response. He wants a response from Nicodemus. What Nicodemus is doing here, and I just want to let you in on a a a kind of little term that is often used when we're talking about discipleship and and people that are are interested in matters of faith and interested in... um, wanting to know more about God, wanting to know more about Jesus, wanting to know more about faith and why faith is so important to you. There's a term about uh, that we often say is that a person is leaning in. In other words, they're taking an active um, point and wanting to listen in and go, what, 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 is, what are you saying? What do you mean by that? And kind of, you know, actively leaning in and wanting to lean in. So t- t- hold on to that term because you're going to hear it more and more again over the, over the years that we're going to be together and it's about how you're looking for people that are going to be leaning in. And, and Nicodemus here is leaning into Jesus, wanting to know more. And Jesus questions him and challenges him and actually says, you have to do more than just follow the rules and the regulations that you've had in place. So if we move on to the next section, verses 5 to 9, Jesus then answers, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus then asks, how can this be? Notice what Jesus does here. In, in giving that answer and giving that challenge back to Nicodemus, um, he, he responds to Nicodemus at the same level that Nicodemus is at. So Jesus is actually having this conversation, this question and answer conversation, this, this time where he's talking to Nicodemus, and he's doing it in a way that at, at, the, at the level that Nicodemus would understand. You know, when you have conversations with people, let me just, you know, um, and somebody asks you um, a, a question about a very specific topic, and, and they're just wanting to know some general information. So you, so you might be an engineer, you know, and, and somebody asks you, well, how can you, um, how can you ensure the bridges, uh, you know, this bridge that's being built doesn't collapse? Well, you can give a simple answer that kind of gives, you know, at a level that they may understand, or you can go into the calculus and kind of describe the, the, the forces and the tensions and everything else that's going on and the, the mix that you've got there and how everything's happening, and they'll just glass over. And they go, I don't understand that. You know, differential, differential equations and calculus just do my mind in. So that's why I'm not an engineer. Um, but you see, the thing is, uh, Jesus responds to Nicodemus, who's a religious leader, and he does it in language that he will understand. And that's why when we come to this passage, we might be going, what, what is Jesus talking about? Water and spirit and birth and flesh and spirit and the spirit gives birth to spirit. And he's going, and Nicodemus is, is kind of, he's in that world and his brain is going, I'm getting it, but I don't get it. And then Jesus moves on. Jesus then does this thing about actually sharing his story. He's sharing his purpose. He's sharing who he is and what he's going to do. So he shares this story that he, he's come from heaven into this world so that people who believe in him will have eternal life. That, they, that, they, that he's actually come to save the world, not judge the world. And you notice that? the religious leaders and especially the Pharisees were often accused of judging others. You know, when, when, when people broke the law, they would say, you're breaking the law, you're doing the wrong thing. And Jesus is going, no, actually, I've come to save, not to judge. I've come to save, not to judge. And so Jesus shares his story, and let, let, let's just jump into this. And it, it's verse, verses 10 through to 17. And let me just read it to you again, because this is powerful. And I, we'll put up the little version from the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen for you. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, yet you don't understand. Notice the challenge again. You, you, you should know this, but you don't understand. I assure you, we tell you what you know, we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? So he's, he's challenging Nicodemus here. He's challenging him really purposefully. 
It's going, if you don't believe what's going on when I'm here with you talking about the things of the world here that you can see, how can you understand it when I talk about heavenly stuff that you can't see at the moment? Because no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Now, this is really key. So he's going, nobody's gone into heaven and come back, but here I am. I am the Son of Man, and he has already gone to heaven and come back. I am from heaven. I am here now. You know, the Son of Man is a term that Jesus has used for himself time and time again, and he's saying, I am from heaven. I am God. I am here now. And he moves on, and Moses, and as Moses lift up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that's so, so that anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And so you, you know the, the reference there of, of the Israelites wandering in the desert, and they were, they were bitten by snakes, and they took, the, took a snake and made a bronze snake and put it on a pole and lifted it up. Anybody who looked at the bronze snake would be healed. And that's why we have the symbol for for medicine as a snake on a a pole. We have that for healing. And you see that Jesus is then starting to ascribe in this the nature that he is going to be lifted up on a cross. And anybody that comes to Jesus will be given eternal life. You can see that starting to be put into there. Anyone who believes in Jesus, the Son of Man, the one who's come from heaven and here is now will have eternal life through what he is about to do. Then he moves on. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Such a powerful story. A story that, you know, that rocked Nicodemus' world. See, Nicodemus was, was a scholar. He, he was a scholar of the scriptures, of, the, of what we have as the Old Testament. And when he's referencing the Son of Man, he's, this, would be coming, this passage would be coming into his head. He would be thinking about Daniel 7. He's using an illustration that Nicodemus would understand and know and, and bring that in. And the, the reference to the Son of Man, and we'll put it on the screen, that Daniel 7, verses 13 to 14, has this. It's a vision that Daniel has about the future, about the kingdom there. And in this vision, he says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a Son of Man coming with the cloud of heaven. So the Son of Man is coming down from heaven. He approached the Ancient One who was led into the presence and he was given authority, honour and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and every nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal and will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, this is what he is hearing. When he says the Son of Man, he is hearing this, the ascription of who Jesus is. He is the eternal one who's come down from the heaven. He is sovereign over all nations of the world, over every race, every language, every nation, and they will obey him. His rule is eternal. His kingdom will last forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Yes. See, this is what Nicodemus is hearing. Jesus is telling the story and using this 
to talk about himself and what is happening. Nicodemus came in the dead of night to question Jesus and to understand because he was afraid of the religious leaders, the ruling council, which he's a part of. But he wanted to know more. He's leaning in, wanting to know more. And Jesus gives him the story, his story. And Jesus is challenged. He challenges Nicodemus. That here is God in flesh. Here and now. So Jesus shared his story with Nicodemus. And this kind of brings us to our, how, the last part of how we, how we can bless our neighbours. How we bless the world around us. How we, how we show love to our neighbours. Share our story. We share our story of, of who we are. We can also share the story of Jesus just the same way. But if we're sharing our story, and I want to say this, those who are here today that have said yes to Jesus, you have a story. You have your own personal story that you can share with those who you know, family, friends, neighbours, those around, work colleagues. Your story, your story is powerful. Your story is important. Your story is actually worth sharing. Just as Jesus' story changes people's lives, your story about how Jesus changed your life can impact another person. Now I'm going to put a little saying up here. And the reason why I think sharing your story is so powerful and so important and so important for us to actually learn how to do is this. It is actually better to share your story, which is the good news of how God has come into your life and how your life has changed because of that. To share good news is actually better than having a good argument with somebody. Whenever we think about sharing the good news or wanting to, people to come to faith, so often when we do this, we think about we've got to convince somebody by having a good argument. Let me say, people don't get converted because of a good argument. People come to faith because they see your, your story of how Jesus has come into your life and how your life has been changed by it. They actually see the good news being lived out in your life, and that is the thing that you share, that has got the power. People are actually looking for an open and honest conversation, not a well-researched and put-down-pat argument about why you should follow Jesus. People are searching for what makes a difference in, in what's going to make a difference in their life, but they're searching for people that, that their faith has made a difference in their life. Notice that? If people are searching for spiritual things, they're spiritually hungry. Let me tell you, the world around us is spiritually hungry. They are searching. They're just not necessarily searching in the places that they thought they once knew. Because they think they've heard it all before, or they think that people are just going to try and argue them into thinking one way. But they want to see a real practical faith. They want to know your story. And your story has power. So I want, I want you to, I'm going to put the next little slide up. And I want to give you three simple things 
to help you understand how your story can have power and how you can show that. And, and if, you, if you're following on the, the sermon notes, I've got this here, and there's a space there for you. And I'll encourage you to go back and have a look at it and write this up. And we'll put it up. There's three elements to my story, you know, and it kind of goes, follows around to the, you know, the blind man. Once I was blind and now I can see. It kind of has that. And, and this is there. So your story has three parts, and you don't have to make them big, they're complicated. You don't have to make them uh, more compounded than you need to or more dramatic than what is happening. People aren't looking for the drama. This is not a reality TV show. Your life is your life. You tell your story as it is. It's, what was my life like before I met Jesus? What has happened? What, what was I doing? How was I that? Let's put it in a word. And then how did I meet Jesus? What was the thing that, that drew me and I met Jesus? What was the conversion? What was the moment of change in my life? Now, some of you may have grown up in a Christian home and it's always been that. Well, that's your story. Say it. Because there are numerous, numerous people out there that have grown up in Christian homes and walked away because they never encountered, never met Jesus. And they, they want to know that. They want to move from their parents' faith to their faith. So my life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and then what has been, what has been the change? What has happened in my life since I met Jesus? Now I would hope... And I would pray that your life has changed, that there's been at least something that has changed in there. If, something, if nothing's changed, I, 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 would like, I would encourage you to seek God in your life. Really seek God to come and bring a new, new change in your life, to bring um, a gift of God, one of the fruits of the Spirit to come upon you and change your life. Just pray for that. Telling your story is powerful. And as I said, if you're struggling with this, ask God for help. If you're struggling to write down your story, ask God for help. Your story is your story. It's not somebody else's story. It doesn't have to compete with somebody, anybody else's story. It is your story. It has meaning. It has significance. It has power. Keep it real. Don't embellish it. Don't make it overdramatic. And keep it shorter. Nobody needs a, a, a two-hour message given to people. They're looking for something short. And believe it or not, here's something that we don't often do. Practice sharing your story. Now, if you're in a life group, I would encourage you in your life group, how about you have a moment of practicing sharing your story in a safe place with people that are not going to ridicule you, but will actually, would love to hear what your life was like, how you met Jesus, and how your life has changed. Life groups are an amazing place to share your story and to be encouraged by one another. It's a place where we develop and grow. So as we wrap up, what we've been doing has been looking at how we may, over the last five weeks, how we may actually be a blessing to the world around us how we may take these five everyday things and my prayer is that they will become an integral part of our lives. They'll become an integral part of our life as a congregation, that we will pray for our neighbours, 
that we will listen to them, that we will share a meal with our neighbours, that we will come into service for and with our neighbours, and that we will be willing to share our story with our neighbours, just as Jesus shared his story with Nicodemus. So let's just pray together. A loving, gracious God. We may be apprehensive at this moment about this challenge to share our story. Lord, give us peace that our story is, is important. Give us a boldness to be able to share what this means, this faith that we have in Jesus Christ, what it means for us. Lord, today I, I, I feel that God is placing upon somebody's heart here a name. I feel that somebody has been given a name of, of who they need to share their story with. Lord God, I just pray for that person. I just pray that you will be bold enough, that you will have God's courage to just share your story. Share it honestly. Share it openly. Share it with confidence. Because God, you're a God that brings new life. You're a God that brings peace into this world. You're a God that if we believe in you, we will have eternal life. For God gave us Jesus Christ, His one and only Son, that whoever may believe in Him may have eternal life. Oh Lord, we just take this as our promise. We take this upon ourselves as our promise today, that if we believe in Christ, our life will change. We will have eternal life and Lord that that just brings so much hope, so much glory into life, so much energy and enthusiasm that we can do nothing but share. Lord, maybe we may we be willing to share your message of hope, of reconciliation today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.